First Farm in the Valley, Chapter 2, The New Family. From all sides, Anna could hear the buzzing and pounding sounds of building. On the roof of a small, newly built house, her father was helping their new neighbor, Mr. Olszewski, put on row after row of shingles in neat, tight layers. At one of the side walls, Jacob sawed away, cutting out the spaces for windows. Beyond the house, in the direction of their farm, she could see Francis Check, Barney, and Pauline helping the older Olszewski. Olszewski children. Some of these names are going to give me a challenge. Using father's two teams of horses, they were hauling logs from the edge of the woods to a spot where the barn would be. Mother was stirring something in a large iron pot that sat on three legs over a glowing fire. Mary worked at a stump nearby, cleaning and chopping carrots and dropping them into the pot as soon as they were ready. Anna's job was to watch her little brothers, with Susan Olszewski to help her. There was no Mrs. Olszewski. She had died more than a year ago, before the Olszewskis moved to Dodge. They had come from Poland and to America at the same time as father, but had lived in Canada for ten years. The sun moved higher into the sky until it was almost overhead. From his perch on the roof, father squinted up at it. "'Is that soup ready yet?' he called down from the housetop. Another few minutes and it will be, answered Mother. Then I guess it's time to stop. Slowly, he and Mr. Olszewski made their way to the edge of the roof and stepped cautiously down a rough pole ladder. Anna wanted to climb that ladder and go sit on the top of the house, but she didn't think Father would allow her. Come, time to pray and eat, Father called loudly. As soon as they were all standing around the bubbling pot, Father began the Angelus, chanting the words in his deep, mellow voice. Back and forth went their musical prayer, with Father and Mr. Olszewski starting off each verse and Mother leading the rest in her answer. When they had finished, Mother gave the soup a last stir and tasted it. It will do, she said, and began to ladle big portions into the tin bowls and cups that were waiting on a stump nearby. Father and Mr. Olszewski took their bowls and a big chunks of bread and went to sit under the shade of a maple tree that was still covered with thick, thick clumps of golden leaves. The children followed, balancing their bowls and cups so as not to spill them. Last of all came Mother, carrying her bowl and walking slowly so Julian could keep up with her by clutching her skirt and stumbling alongside. Mmm, mmm, Father smacked his lips. Nothing like good cabbage soup to fill you up. There's plenty more, said Mother, as she cautiously blew on a spoonful of soup before popping it into Julian's mouth. Anna dunked her chunk of bread into the soup and then sucked it into her mouth. The soup-soaked bread slid down her throat as smoothly as pudding. They ate and ate until the pot was empty. With a satisfied sigh, Father leaned back against the tree trunk. Mr. Olszewski made a move to get up, but Father motioned him back. Sit a while yet. There's only a row or two of shingles left to nail down. We should have no trouble finishing most of the barn before dark with all these helpers. He glanced around at all the children. Mr. Olszewski looked overcome. I surely do appreciate your help, he said. Would have taken us till the snow flies to do it all on our own. We're just so glad to have neighbors in this direction, said Mother. I won't worry so much when the children take the sheep or cows to pasture back here. That's right, thought Anna. Now we have neighbors on every side of us. To the east live the Jesu the Jezuskis, 
and the Glinzinskis went beyond them, the Dorowas. On the south side of the house lived the Volsky family. Father always said, yeah, that Volsky, he knew we had a good place here. He came right on our heels. Next to the Volskys lived the Tushners. They spoke with an accent, using different words, and Mother had once to explain to Anna, that's because they come from Bohemia. Last, the Sersons had moved on to the farm west of them, and Anna had been delighted because Julia Sersen was the same age as she was, and now she had a friend to play with besides her brothers and sisters. West of the Sersons lived the Vikas, the, Ku the Kuowskis, and the Zivitskis. Imagine, exclaimed father, you'll be the fourteenth family in the valley. Who would have thought it when I came here twelve years ago, and not a hatch around, a house around, except Mr. Latches at the head of the valley? And even his family was afraid to live here because he was gone to the war. Father Eyes took on a deep, faraway look as he remembered those days. Anna could see that he was as happy as mother about all the new neighbors. But she could also tell he was proud to have started the first farm in the valley. Father stood up and stretched. A snooze would feel good right now, he laughed, but Bridget would never forgive me if I didn't get those shingles on tight. She won't want to have any rain coming into that snug little house, so I guess it's back to work. He and Mr. Olszewski strolled over to the ladder and climbed up to the roof again. Anna was confused. Is Aunt Bridget going to live in this house? she asked Mother. Maybe in a few months, said Mother with a smile. But I thought Father was helping to build it for Mr. Olszewski and his family, said Anna, still puzzled. It will be for them, said Mother. But if all goes well, Aunt Bridget will marry Mr. Olszewski, and they'll both live here. Then he'll be your uncle. Won't that be fine? Anna was not so sure. Until a few months ago, she had not known she had any relatives. Now, suddenly, she had an aunt and some cousins, and before too long, she might have an uncle. What about Susan and Johnny and the other Olszewskis? she asked. They'll be your cousins, too, explained Mother. Your cousins by marriage. Anna was still thinking about her new cousins when Father and Mr. Olszewski finished the roof and moved across the field to work on the log barn. The rest of the family followed to see if they could help. Mr. Olszewski looked around and felt in his pockets. Then he turned to Johnny. Run back to the house and bring me my bag of nails. Must have left them there somewhere. Mine, too, said Father. I'll help you look, offered Anna, and she skipped after Johnny. They're not here, said Johnny, after he had circled the house inside and out. I didn't see them either, Anna stared at the tall ladder still propped against the roof. Do you suppose they left them up there? Maybe, said Johnny, but he made no move towards the ladder. I'll climb up and look, said Anna, but she too continued standing where she was. You wouldn't dare. Yes, I would. Anna took a few steps in the direction of the ladder. Better let me do it, said Johnny, as he tried to move ahead of Anna. I said it first, so I'm going up first, insisted Anna. Well, go on then. Johnny looked relieved. Grasping the second rung, Anna started to climb up the ladder while Johnny steadied it. She did not look down until she came to the top rung. Her knees trembled and almost gave way. Johnny seemed so far away. Then she glanced sideways in the direction of a grove of trees growing on the north side of the house. I'm level with the treetops, she gloated. When she looked straight ahead, the dizzy feeling disappeared. Hurry up, called Johnny. Can you see if they're up there? Anna scanned the side of the roof. Row upon row of fresh shingles overlapped each other neatly and smoothly. 
A few feet below the roof ridge was a long plank resting on small blocks of wood that had been nailed to the beams through the shingles. The plank had allowed the men to work safely. It would have caught them if their feet started to slip down on the smooth shingles. Leading up to the plank, on the side of the roof right above the ladder were stepping blocks of wood, also nailed down tight. Mr. Olszewski had left the plank and the blocks there because he still had to finish off the stovepipe hole. The nail bags must be on the plank, Anna called to Johnny. I'm going up to see. I don't think you should. Let me come up and do it. Anna paid no attention to his words, but inched her way upward, grasping the higher block with her hands and curling her toes around the lower one. At last, she was high enough to peer over the edge of the plank. There, tucked way back and almost falling into the narrow space between the roof and the back of the plank, were the nail bags. She could have reached them by taking one more step, but now that she was so close to the ridge pole, she wanted to sit astride it. By standing on the plank and stretching upward with her stomach flat against the roof, she could just manage to see over the top. I'm going up there, she announced, but not too loudly. What did you say? Johnny called up. Without answering, Anna swung herself up, placed one leg on the other side, and then straightened the upper part of her body. She was sitting on top of the world. Ahead of her were rolling fields and ravines, spread out like blankets, with their alternating shades of browns and grays. On the north were the poplar and maple trees, gently shaking their red and golden leaves like girls with pouncing curls. When she looked south, Anna was so startled she almost lost her balance. There, peeking out from the woods more than a mile away, were their own barn and house. The world certainly looked different from up so high. Why, I'm seeing the way birds do, she thought. What's taking you so long? growled Johnny. I'm coming, answered Anna. She would have liked to stay up there all afternoon, but Father and Mr. Olszewski needed the nails. Slowly, carefully, she lowered herself to the plank, picked up the two bags of nails in one hand, and then worked her way downward on the blocks toward the ladder. When she came to the last two blocks, she hung on to the upper one, but let her feet slide loose from the lower. With her toes, she felt for the ladder, but all they encountered was empty space. "'Where's the ladder?' she shrieked. "'Would Johnny have been so mean as to take it away?' "'Little to your left!' shouted Johnny. At last, her toes touched the first rung, and she clambered down, handing the nail bags to Johnny as soon as she could reach down to him. Hardly had she stepped off the ladder when Franzicek came running around the corner of the house. "'Father thinks he left the nails on the—' Francesca, Francesca's voice trailed as he saw them in Johnny's hand. So you found them? Weren't you scared to go up to get them? Anna held her breath. They weren't so hard to get down, said Johnny, and then he grinned at Anna. He wasn't going to tell. Then and there, Anna decided she'd like having him as a cousin. The rest of autumn flew by. Father visited Aunt Bridget again in Winona, and this time Mother went with. Did you see her children? asked Anna. How many does she have? Yes, laughed Mother. She has five of them. Four boys and a girl. They will be quite the family when she marries Mr. Olszewski. Slowly, Anna counted on her fingers. Eleven children, she exclaimed. More than our family. Where would they all sleep? She pictured in her mind the small house they had helped to build. It didn't seem big enough for thirteen persons. They'll fit in, answered Mother calmly. Mary Olszewski is getting married soon, and Joe is working in Winona. 
Bridget's oldest boy will probably go off, too, looking for work. They'll have a lot more room than we had in the sod house. Suddenly Anna had another thought. "'Will there be a wedding?' she asked. Last summer they had all gone to a wedding in Dodge, and she had watched the dancing until she had fallen asleep. From what she had seen, she liked weddings. "'Yes,' last, laughed Mother. "'There will probably be a wedding right after Christmas. Nothing fancy, but still, a wedding.'